0: So welcome back to the Pac-Center Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything Nevada Athletics, episode 141. I am your host, Matt Henderson. I'm here with my co-host, Isaiah Bros. Isaiah, we talked, we kind of, we, we led with it last week how the inconsistency, like if we were to throw an inconsistency dart at a dartboard, the dartboard that it would land on would be the series-by-series series swings that this team has like undergone, and last week we kind of snapped that. Uh, or this last weekend we kind of snapped that sweeping boise state i mean it was a terrible really weekend for our predictions i mean i know i think you've had the split got the split and i had nevada getting swept um i really don't think anyone nevada expected the sweeping or sweeping boise state um but before we get into all that how's it going man
1: i'm doing great just another fun weekend in wolfpack sports town as i like to say how are you doing
0: I'm doing all right, man. Um, it's almost Friday. We're recording this on Thursday like we usually do. Um, let's get in. We had a new sport that played this last weekend. Play, the volleyball team played in Mexico. They lost 3-1 to one in both the games that they played in. They play Colorado State this weekend. Um, or they they lost three sets to one. Let me clarify that. Uh, freshman, Marika Montalini. Or is that Mont- Montalini? Um was Nevada's best really offensive presence this season. I mean, we know Kayla Afoa tore her ACL, what was it, two weeks last week, two almost, weeks ago?
1: Yeah, almost two and a half weeks ago to this point. Just an absolute shame considering she's a two-sport athlete and committed to volleyball this year. So, I mean, just in our thoughts and prayers here at the Pac-Center podcast.
0: Right. And so, um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully she has a speedy recovery. Hopefully she can get better soon. Um, I know ACL tears are like no joke, but um, – Rika Mondolini was Nevada's best offensive player this weekend. She led the team in kills, uh, had 17 in the first game, 18 in the second game, um, averaged three, 4.38 kills per set, um, which was second in the conference speech be- behind someone they actually faced, uh, Kaylee Wolf um, of New Mexico. Nevada had some good defensive performances. Uh, Kaylee Spivak, Sydney, Pier- uh, Sydney Peterson, and Casey McGill. Um, we're very good defensively this weekend. Spevek led the team in digs while Pearson tied the most blocks. Um, not the best start to the season for Nevada, but it's the beginning of the season.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah, just shrug it off. And I'm just really interested to see who steps up between Kayla Foa's presence because she was such an impactful force, especially last season with the women's volleyball team. I mean, she was everywhere. Offensively, defensively, led the team in digs. Almost every statistical category was a Foa. So... Obviously, with her absence and her injury, it's going to leave a huge void. But I think we do have the makeup and the overall roster to at least compete. And, you know, I just got to give New Mexico credit. They're a pretty sound and solid team on offense and defense. Definitely. Played their game. So, like you said, just starting the season off on obviously a rough note, but plenty of season left. So, I guess we'll see.
0: And then we also had Nevada women's basketball play this weekend against Boise State. They split the season they split the season series. Uh, Boise State was right an eight-game win streak heading into the latter portion of those games. Nevada lost the first one 73-63 and then snapped their eight-game win streak with a, six, with a dominant 64-44 victory. Of Nevada held Boise State to under 40% shooting in that second game. Um, Boise State hasn't scored below 50 points this year, and Nevada hasn't allowed fewer than 50 points this year up to that point. Um, so, really, it was a dominant game. It was really, st- like, began in the second quarter. Um, Nevada outscored Boise State 17-3, to and it was really just Nevada from there. In that game, Deja Hamilton led Nevada with 18 points but finished the first quarter with 13 points. So, it was really really one of Nevada's more dominant performances that we've seen this year.
1: Oh, definitely. And for, you know, I know we don't really highlight how well they've done defensively this year because they've had some pretty terrible performances defensively opponents have shot very well against them but nevada did its part this you know going up against boise state in that second game led held them to 27 percent from the floor and 11 percent from three and i know you mentioned it with david j hamilton always scoring always stuff in that scoring category but she also had three of this three of this team's seven assists obviously you like to see that number improve but when you see this team kind of play a balanced and complete game on both ends of the floor. It's translated to wins to this point. So I'm hoping that can continue in a lot of aspects and towards the tail end of the season, getting wins any way possible is going to help. So just something to look forward to. It's a good win coming off a bad loss in the first game of the series.
0: Yeah. And Mallory McGuire, who almost transferred to Nevada. She was a Reno, I believe Reno high graduate. Um, she had 12 points in each of the two games. So Nevada did a good job containing her and Boise States overall just looked like a good, one of the better teams in the Mountain West and, it's a good it's a good victory to get, especially when you're on the road.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, Boise State's a really, really sound team on both ends of the floor. They got a lot of depth, and like you said, McGuire had 12 points in the first game as well, and they have someone, Abby Muse. They got some size down low, so it did kind of pose some mismatches for Nevada, but I think they did a good job rebounding and just kind of shaking off that loss in the first game and coming out and playing more of a complete game on both ends in the second game, and that translated to a win because they didn't particularly shoot all that well from the field but when you hold an opponent to 44 p- points you're gonna I win mean, <laughs> most games and credit to nevada for just doing that so looking forward to it
0: and now we're gonna get into what really the big the, the what the cherry on top is that the word that we were looking for now i mean yeah i mean it's 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 the start it's it's the start of something because we've talked we talked about it last week we're entering the tail end of the stretch of the season and nevada has no schmoes i mean i guess if you want to consider san jose state a schmo i mean you can
1: on paper yes but, but you never know
0: yeah you never know just because it's on the road and it's it's it smells like a trap game and it's almost set up to be like a trap game but i mean we won't know uh but Nevada swept Boise State this weekend. Again, as you and I alluded to just a little bit ago, no one really expected this kind of result. I mean, again, I predicted Nevada to get swept. Um, Boise State was 14-2 and two heading into that game. They won four, They were winners in 14 of their last 15 games. I mean, I know they lost to Colorado State. And now Boise State has dropped three of their last four games. They were first place heading into that series. They're now third place, I believe. Nevada is two and a half games back of the Mountain West or the top team in the Mountain West at Utah State, who's 11 and 2 in the conference right now. And so we're entering this kind of tail end of the stretch. You and I talked about it at, I think, believe it was after the San Diego State Series, how Nevada, if they play their game, they can compete with anyone in the Mountain West. And they definitely showed that this weekend. They won the first game um, off a of Grant Sherfield buzzer beater. We'll get to that in a little bit, 74 to 72. And then they, of course, they won... With a pretty I wanna say dominant not dominant second half, but it was pretty handedly like towards the end. Um it was close for a while, Nevada increased it to nine and they really didn't look back. Des hit some really clutch buckets at the end. Um and Nevada won seventy three to sixty two. I believe all but one of Nevada's home victories this season have come from have come by double digits. And so they haven't really played any closed games at home. Um aside from that 74-72 victory that we saw uh, Friday night. But the funniest, the, the, the strangest part about that is I, I had a conversation with my dad a couple of weeks ago, and he and I were kind of talking about it, and he made the point that, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of a fair point that in these two-game series that Nevada's played this season, there has been a couple of times where they've played better in the first game than they have the second, I guess we, if you want to look at like the Air Force series for example, that would be valid. UNLV, that that was valid then too. Um so there there's there's kind of some truth to that. And so Nevada gets the 74-72 victory. Boise State's lost two of their last three games and Nevada comes out and beats them by double digits. That just debunked that. Um What are your thoughts on that?
1: I mean, that was just a very complete i wouldn't say dominant performance because both it wasn't games, dominant it wasn't but dominant by any means nevada just, had
0: control for at least most of the second half
1: i mean that i know we're going to talk about i know game one is going to get a lot of the recognition because of how it ended and i know we'll get into the buzzer beater and the game winner and everything like that but when it comes to that second game i just thought nevada had i'm going to call that a statement win because i think in a lot of cases nevada could have taken its foot off the gas and said hey you know no matter what we're going to split this series And no matter what, we could, you know, we kind of proved who we are as a team. And to their credit, they didn't really do that at all. They kept their foot on the gas pedal, especially in that second half. And you saw so many guys step up. And I think that's what we've been kind of pointing to these past couple weeks is more and more guys stepping into that role. I think we're going to touch on a few more guys tonight. Tonight, I'm sorry. Today. On today's podcast. Where
0: it's it's, just we're. Nine thirty in the morning it's definitely nighttime
1: <laughs> it feels like nighttime to me I'm sorry but it's just like <laughs> I, I know like just an impactful statement series sweep over a really really good team in Boise State I mean we mentioned how you know just how much depth they have how solid of a squad they are and to their credit they didn't perform all that poorly I just think Nevada played a very very good game on both ends of the floor and that's something, if we could continue towards this tail end of the season, we're going to be playing our best basketball. And like you said, you've been saying it for, I would say, almost a month to two months at this point. When Nevada's playing their best, they're one of the best teams. That, you know, They're almost the team to beat in conference. They play up to their level of competition, and they're showing that to this point.
0: Yeah. Boise State, they, st- I felt like there was still little left to be desired there. Like, I feel like they could have played better, especially offensively in that second game, but some of that's to testament to Nevada's Nevada's really good defensive play that they played in those two games. Here's something I want to hit on. We've talked about all season. This is like, we've again, ad nauseum. Nevada, we've talked about, all right, wanting the third score. Like, who's going to be the third score? And now I feel like we're getting to the point where we're seeing multiple third scores. And that's what all I right? wanted. So to talk like KJ about. KJ Himes had a career-high 17 points in the first game. Zane Meeks has provided a lift off the bench ever since that unit since he came back versus UNLV. Warren Washington had a double double, um, the series, and it's it, it, we're we're continuing to see more and more. I want to say versatility in that discussion because it's like you and I kind of hinted at them a while back. I mean, I said Washington, you were mentioning Kane and Zane and all these like KJ. And we're starting to see more and more, like traction, with like just different scores. Cause it's like we have Sherfield, obviously, we have Dez, and then just it's almost like a game by game basis where it's like, all right, one time it'll be KJ, the other time it'll be Zane. Um, Like Grant and Zane accounted for 17 of the team's final 19 points in that first game, and so I mean, there's obviously something there, and so it's just it's it's nice to see more contributions on a game by game basis and hopefully we can get i mean i know this is greedy but get even more
1: oh yeah more production R- more yeah more
0: just like more like just a more uh what's the word Con- looking- consistency i want to say more of like a balanced scoring attack um but then again i'll i i mean i'm not complaining if grant sherfield scores 29 <laughs> points in a game which he did in that second game
1: of career high no, that's one of the things, too, is, like, in a way, I know, and for so many reasons, you know, Grant Sherfield took if over this cooking, series. If Cook give him the Yeah, and listen, he won Mount West Player of the Week for his awesome performance, and in a lot of ways it was the Grant show, but one of the biggest takeaways was K.J. Himes in that first game. He was really good, He was, and we've talked about kind of his unique skill set offensively. We've touched upon his defensive ability and how well he's played and, you know, kind of calming down the fouls this season but you know going back to his high school days in Arizona he was this kind of like stretch four where he had the ability to shoot the ball and finally we're starting to see that come to form in Nevada at Nevada I'm sorry and I think he's becoming a lot more confident from the floor getting a lot more open looks and he's not afraid to hoist him up and take them and he's been making them he has a smooth stroke for someone his size you don't see a lot of lanky releases or anything like that it's pretty smooth and you know if he can get that type of contribution I thought that was very eye-opening because we know what he's giving on both ends of the floor and his energy if he's able to chip in double digits every you know every night or so like you said this kind of third score round table we have going on right now you add KJ to that mix this could make this team really dangerous come you know tournament play
0: yeah his left his his left-handed hook over his right shoulder is becoming money love it
1: like he, he's he's
0: getting so comfortable shooting that and you can tell during the games he's like there'll be times where they're defending it and he's trying his hardest to get to it and sometimes he'll convert sometimes he's not um but it's been it's been money lately and then of course Warren out of the post has been really good he's been good on the glass he's he's snatching rebounds he's uh he's had some nice dunks some nice put-back dunks. Um, running the floor is something they all can do, um, especially Warren and KJ. Also, just having Zane as a floor spacer has been a like a breath of fresh air for this team. I know we saw in the Wyoming series that wasn't really the case, uh, but it's just nice having that on the floor because it just adds... It, it gives Grant and Des more room to just... Do what they do. Do what they do. Attack the rim, um, isolation, step-backs, whatever you want, or just in the pick-and-pop game and getting Grant some open uh, alleys to the backs and basket and giving him more reads. Uh, it's just another offensive threat um, on the floor that just gives them more room to do whatever – just to do what they got to do. And let's talk about Grant for a little bit because he was sensational this weekend, um, 20 points, 14 assists in the first game. He had a career-high 29 points in the second game. Um, he, he he went toe-to-toe with Alston who was also a Mountain West player of the year candidate heading into that series. I think Alston still is. I mean, he was very good in uh, the series. But Grant emerges like, I'm here. Oh, yeah. Like, this is, this is, you're you're coming into my house and this is what I'm going to do. He dominated.
1: He did. I mean, it was sensational. If we had to put a word on it, can we say sensational? Yeah. It's what he did in a... Mountain West player of the year matchup with Derek Alston and before against we,
0: one of the best defensive teams in the conference. I was
1: going to just touch upon that. Not only Derek Alston, but one of the most lengthy, lanky, feisty teams on the perimeter we've seen in conference this year. Along with Derek Alston, who can score? This kid can score the basketball. Grant, I really do believe Grant just absolutely took over this series. I think coming coming into that, he kind of knew what was at stake for not only Nevada but him personally. If he wanted to get more recognition, this was the series to do it. And he put his stamp of approval on both games. I mean, you want to get in, get into this game winner real quick? In game one, I mean, smooth.
0: Yeah, I had the uh, I I was there. The Heat game was on like before that, or it was on like part of during it too. So I had I was repping the Wade jersey. And it was almost like watching Wade shoot that, shoot, just shoot a fadeaway whichever. It would have been better if Grant like did the pump fake and like got a dude in the air. But um, he looked like Dwayne shooting that shot. Or, I mean, not from that exact location, obviously. But um, or like, I wrote about it. I said Michael Jordan. And I'm not comparing him to Michael Jordan. Although, I mean, some might say. I mean, come on. Grant better than Michael Jordan. But, you
1: know. It's it's debatable.
0: Some might some might say it.
1: Shout out um, Michael Jordan.
0: Also. Uh, you know, same thing with like Kobe, rest in peace. Um, but he just that him getting to a spot almost with ease and then
1: just f-
0: fade away 10 foot jumper uh, with 2.9 seconds left. And it was just like that, it was super smooth. Um, I love the Spain pick and roll action that they use to kind of open up that space um it 's like a staple of the offense i mean they they run it routinely with des coming off the screen um but it's still the the his ability to get to that spot and uh rise up and so smoothly knock it down and almost it just looked almost like too easy for him and i know it's how difficult that can be that 's t- just a testament to how good he is um and so I was really impressed with his performance this weekend and especially that shot that was that's the second buzzer beater of the year um and we didn't even talk about it. Those were the two victories that Nevada had over Boise State this weekend where they were at first, the first game at least, was a quad one victory heading into the game. Of course, Boise State fell in the net rankings, so that moved from a quad one to a quad two victory. And they fell to the 30s, which if Boise State would be it was a top 30 team in the net rankings, then it would be classified as a quad one win. Um, unfortunately, those are quad two wins, so that kind of like sucks. But Nevada's now two and three in quad one or two victories this season. Nevada heading into the series, or just under Steve Alford heading into the series, were one and 12. And so you match that with two quad two victories, two big quad two victories, and Grant
1: carried the team. Like He's been doing that. Yeah. And that's one of the things, before we get on to another subject, is do you think at this point, after... That performance Grant put together against Boise State, and continuing what he's been doing all season, and how impactful he's been with Nevada. Now to against someone like you know compared to someone like Derek Alston, who in the first game had 23 points, five of seven from beyond the arc. Great game. Like I said, this kid can score at all three levels. He is a very 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 athletic, feisty player. Had 17 points in the second game, but I think you can say that Grant at least edged him out in the first game and simply outplayed him in the second, in a uh, way. Yeah. I would maybe. say that. Much more aggressive. Say... Much took over. Needed his points down the stretch. I was going
0: to, yeah, I was. I, I mean, dumb me. I just talked about it. I was going to say, well, Derek was better than great in the first game, but I don't think he was. No,
1: I, I think at that point it could be like, you know, it, tomato tomato discussion but i I still think grant was better grant just as a pure passer as well dishing out 14 assists in that game
0: let's talk about that for a little bit because i think when we've i think when we when we've talked about grant we've talked about his like pristine scoring ability and his ability to get to his spots um finish through contact uh pull up jay's his ability to step backs his ability to just create space as a shot creator but we what we really haven't talked about in a while was how good of a passer he is he's really quick with his reads um he'll he'll he makes accurate passes he doesn't turn the ball over um and so i mean i think that's really like underrated kind of part of his play and we're saying that when he leads the team and when he leads the conference in assists during conference play uh with over six a game but him getting 14 assists is kind of like an underrated part. Because, I mean, when we think about that game, we think about the game winner. And him, Nevada trailed for most of the second half of that game, and he tied it up with a floater with, like, 55 seconds left. Hits the game-winning shot. And that's what we're going to think about in the end. But really, like, in all facets of the game, as a lead ball handler,
1: he he was really but, good. He, and like you said, this is what he's been able to do all season. Right. And something that needs to be mentioned is his impact as a floor general, what he does for our offense, not just scoring-wise, but how he facilitates the rest of the offense, gets guys involved, especially in the pick-and-pop and the pick-and-roll. He's been so efficient and so great at taking care of the ball. I think with that ability, putting it on, at this point, one of the biggest series, if not the biggest series of the season, going up against another potential Mountain West player of the year, this is what kind of what I wanted to bring up. Do you think, barring any setbacks over the next few games, do you think Grant kind of sealed it at this point? If I, I know a lot of this may depend on Nevada where it's seated, because at this point, yeah. Maybe Boise State rebounds. And to his credit, Derek Alston could explode for a thirty plus point game. He can he he can do what he wants as well. Like he can attack at all three levels, but
0: if the season ended today, is if that if the way... season
1: ended today, do you think Grant wins it?
0: Oh,
1: who, um I still yeah. think it. Yes, I still think it's so close, though. It is I, close. I, I don't. Man. I've. I know you hear Nevada fans saying, especially after that first game. Oh, put it away. He's won it. I think well, we, we got can't his, I th- go off
0: a one game yeah. sample. I mean, I know you. I, I know head to head like matters, uh. But see, I'm the type of person when I look at these kind of conversations, I look at the t- the total statistical body, and when, um. Chris Murray's pointed it out before that they only look at, because, I mean, he's a voter of who wins these awards. It, it only goes based off of conference-only stats, so I want to look at that as like a total body of work. Uh, I mean, I think is certainly in that conversation from Utah State. I mean, if Mitchell was healthy the entire season, I mean, I know he missed a couple games. Alston. He would be in that conversation. Yeah. Alston, obviously. Um, Isaiah Stevens and David Roddy are kind of, like, fighting for that for uh, Colorado State. Um, it's, it's, it's still yeah, so it's tough. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, just looking at it right now, he leads the Mountain West in scoring with n- nearly 20 a game. He ne- leads conference in assists with nearly 7 a game um, in conference play. And he leads um, assist-to-turnover ratio. Like, that's important. Um, win shares. Like, there's a lot of st- – there's – but, but at the same time he's sa- i think he's second in perform in player efficiency rating behind Kadic like it there's a lot of i think you can make an argument i think he's i think you can make an argument for him to win i, I think really do
1: i think he's put together a really strong case i think if Nevada does clinch a top 5 seed you can easily make that argument but at the same time that i wanted to point out that you brought up you know i think it does matter especially when you're the best player on the best team in the conference. Yeah, that, that, that like also Kata, holds weight for me. Like Kata, if Boise State finishes the season on a high note, having Derek Alston mm-hmm. showing what he was able to do through this Nevada Series too, I don't want to take that away from them either mm-hmm. because as, as impactful, you know, like I, I think we talked about this. We did talk about this in the podcast that never was. Never was. And Austin Paskey brought up a great point. Mountain West player of the year, or Mountain West most valuable player. Because it's hard to get the two confused sometimes because like, this isn't an MVP award in that, you know, that has multiple meanings saying like, oh, if you took so-and-so off this team, how great is that team? With Grant's Mm -hmm. impact on the floor at Nevada, obviously that's worthy of some most valuable player type-esque stuff. But this is Mountain West player of the year. You have to take in, like you said, the whole body of work over, especially in that conference play and how well that team performed and where they seeded in the regular season.
0: Right, but that also goes back to what I said in the podcast that ever was, as I'm kind of contradicting myself here, is that it would usually go to the best player on the best team. Like, we, like I said it last year, I thought Jalen should have won Mountain West Player of the Year just because of how good he was in conference. I mean, he did put up 25 a game. Um, I know that's not the only statistic that matters, but Malachi Flynn was by far the best player on the best team. And that's worthy of recognition. That's worthy of like,
1: awards. They were is. 30 and
0: 2. Um, and, we, and, and had just one loss of, Like they were one of the best teams in Mountain West history. Um,
1: yeah, they, they would have made a serious run at the NCAA tournament. They right, were that good. Right. And so, so
0: that's where I go back to like there's the precedence of that. Because the year before, I believe it was Merrill. It was Merrill. And then the year before that, it was Caleb, Caleb. on
1: the best team in, in, in the, best. the Mountain West. Same thing with Merrill, Sam Merrill.
0: Yeah. And then, uh, I think it was the year before that, that it was, um, that was Gian Clavel. I mean, I know that's a little bit of, like...
1: Mountain West historian Matt Hannafin right there. Harry there, but, I mean, like, Clavel was incredible. I would have never pulled that one out. I gotta just give you props. Shout out Matt and his Mountain West knowledge. right
0: But they there. also gave Nevada trouble. Like, and also, like, Colorado State at that time was not was there no slump they were they're still not a slump at all um but that that wasn't like they were they weren't like a bad team they were one of, also one of the best teams in the mountain west at the time and clavel was averaging like over 20 a game i believe i can't remember i don't have it in front of me but he was also very good and he was one of the top scorers in the conference at that time and that was kind of like it it was kind of a time where like marcus marshall and kind of cameron oliver were probably canceling out votes for themselves um but like, that just goes to my entire point where I believe there's precedence to, like, being the best player on the best team. But if I want to look at the statistical body of work and vote on that, I think Grant has a legitimate case.
1: And I think one, the one thing that separates Grant from Jalen is a couple things. Like, cause like you said, you could have easily made the case that Jalen won it. But I think this Jaylen year— Jalen had
0: a much better supporting cast.
1: I was going to say, number one, Jalen had a great, great supporting cast. Number two— Grant and leads the Mountain West in multiple statistical categories, whereas Jalen ranked all over the place in the top five as well as leading in, scoring in conference, but he did not lead in assist, assist to turnover ratio. But then again, that wasn't his role. That's no discredit to Jalen. Right. I think number three, the thing that worked against Jalen is that At this point in the year, there isn't someone like an SDSU, and there isn't someone like a Malachi Flynn, who is definitively the best player on the best team in the best conference. So I think Jalen already had a few things working against him to this point. Mm -hmm. Right now, it's wide open. You can vote for Cata, you can vote for Alston, you can vote for Sherfield, you can do, like you said, with Colorado State. So I think there's certain things that are, you know, working in Grant's favor that. Barring any setback, knock on whatever this is made out of. I think it's wood. Is this wood? <laughs> I want to say this is wood. It doesn't look like wood, but it's but just, it it is wood. Yeah. Knock on whatever it is. I I really do think, if I think it all comes down to is how Nevada finishes this year as well.
0: Yeah, but uh, we were doing this hypothetical yeah. conversation. But yeah, no, that that's a good point. Um, Jalen did have a much better supporting cast. He had the sixth man of the year in. Nizraizu, while well. he had the reigning six men of the year be- the year before that, and Jazz Johnson, he had Lindsey Drew, who's one of the best point guards in Nevada history. Grant doesn't have necessarily that supporting cast. I mean, it's not like I mean, no. De- to- Dez Cam- is
1: no slouch. KJ's no slouch. KJ, yeah, Zane Cambridge or- is really
0: good. Warren Washington has immersion to something this season. He's been really good. Um, it's
1: no discredit. No, no, not at all. It's just a completely different team. Right. And much Nevada's younger. more loaded in the front yeah.
0: court this year than they were last year. Much
1: younger, much more inexperienced. And I think right. you saw this team go through those lapses. Mm-hmm. So another thing that I would just lean a little bit in favor of Grant.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. Would you give it to Grant? At this point,
1: it's still so tough. I, I mean, I hate to say if the season ended right now, what would our seed be if we ended up? We right? We'd be fifth. Oh, man. I just, all bias aside, I would say no. And I, it's nothing against Grant. I just think, like you said, there's a precedence being made. And I think the impact of a guy like Kata on Utah State right now, who's the best team in conference, there's a lot. He's, he's a guy that I think we've talked about at nauseum who does so much that doesn't fill up the stat sheet and him being the best player on the best team in the best conference. I just think right now, for me, it'd be, but still be between Cata, Sherfield and Alston. And there's just too much go around. You know, you can make a serious, compelling argument for one of them. And I think at this point, sometimes it may have to come down to how, well, how well did your team finish, and how much of an impact did you have on that team? And all bias aside. i as much as I want to say Grant Sherfield right now, i just I just think it'd be it's kind of tough. it's It's a bit tough, like you said. but, Nevada still has a chance to finish this season strong, which we'll obviously get into. I know we've talked about this topic for a long time. We I have... also
0: think there's a legitimate argument to be made for Roddy or Stevens, but uh, then again, they might cancel each other and both uh, out. I, I was going to um, say both of those because Roddy's averaging 15 a game with nine rebounds, and then Stevens is averaging 15 a game with six assists. So I mean, they're both putting up they're both putting up a lot of points and very good statistical profiles, but. I still think that. Yeah, I I agree. I think I think those would be like the five yes. that I would use. Yeah, I I just think and if maybe and I'd probably throw Mitchell in that. Yeah, if with, like
1: you said, Matt. If Matt Mitchell stayed healthy all year, we know the type of player we've seen Matt Mitchell in person. That kid is a bona fide stud. He's awesome. We know what he brings to SDSU as a leader and his impact on both ends of the floor. But at this point, I think it's down to those five. Now, I will say, if Nevada somehow secures a top-three seed and they finish the year on a high note, I think Grant Shurfield, then you can make a serious, serious, compelling case. Okay, Grant Shurfield's the man. Right. He he, because, And he, you know what? He has a chance to do it. He certainly does. So I just think at this point it's still too hard to choose because so many guys have their own compelling cases, but we'll see. I mean, there's still basketball left to play, and I know we'll have this discussion later on.
0: Looking at the standings right now, let me just give you an outlier of the top six. Utah State leads the conference. They are 11 and two in conference play. Colorado State's a half game back at 11 and three. Boise State's a full game back of Utah State at 10 and three. San Diego State is nine and three. They're a half game back of Boise State. They're are one and a half games back in the conference. and then Nevada's two and, a half back, two and a half games back of Utah State at nine and five. And then Nevada is a full two games ahead of UNLV at five and five. And so Nevada is almost closer to Utah State than they are to UNLV. So really it's Nevada's – Nevada can – I guess you can make the case that Nevada controls their own destiny from this point on. Um, just looking at the schedules, there's multiple teams fighting each other or they're, they're going to be competing against each other. So these standings, or at least the top half of these, top half of these standings could shift – um, throughout the end of the season let's Nevada, let's let's look at it for a little bit let's break this down Nevada at San Jose State they're not a top 5 team they're one of the worst teams in the conference and then they're home against Colorado State for their, their senior night i mean i know there's an extra year of eligibility but the final home series of the season and then they finish the they finish the season at Utah State for Utah State they're at Boise State um i think their game their series against this it was this week against Wyoming was canceled due to COVID, so that's next week. Um, they're at Boise State and then they finish the season with Nevada. With Boise State, they're at home against UNLV this week. They're at home in their final home series of the season against Utah State, and then they're at San Diego State. So they're facing they're facing oh two my top God. cream of the crop. <sighs> they're facing two top five teams. That hurts. And San Diego State's rolling, by the way. They've won six straight. They absolutely smothered yeah. San Jose State, which we're going to get into in a little bit. It wasn't those, even close. After
1: those, after that kind of weird start to the season, SDSU's yeah, finally proving what it's capable yeah, they're, of. Yeah, they're
0: cruising right now. Um, speaking of San Diego State, they're at Fresno State, and then they're home against Boise State to end the season. They, so that's one, that's one top five team. And then Colorado State kind of probably has the softest Softest probably bit of this, but they're um, at Colorado State and then, or no, yeah, Colorado <laughs> at, State, at Nevada, they're at Nevada and then they're home against Air Force and the season. Um, Air Force, I mean, if history bodes, I mean, they gave Nevada trouble. Maybe they can give Colorado State trouble and help Nevada out a little bit.
1: Yeah. But like you said, I mean, a lot of these teams above us, they're know, jostling
0: you know, like... each other for these final like standings. And, and Nevada, Nevada so, can take advantage. Nevada's facing two top five teams. Utah State's facing two top five teams. SDSU, Boise, Boise State. State's fe- facing two top five teams, and then Colorado State and U- and San Diego State are facing just one top five team each. Gosh, and this so, is going to be a battle. So it's I mean these we're, there's kind of a what there's there's a logjam for these top five teams in the conference. Again, there's only two and a half game difference between Utah State and Nevada. A lot can happen in these final couple weeks of the season. I think Nevada's best bet would be to get into that third spot because, I mean, I I think they want to avoid that 4-5 game in the conference. I mean, they still get the buy but they want to avoid that 4-5 game as much as they probably can. And I don't think UNLV is going to be catching them at all or inserting themselves into that top-five season regardless of where Nevada finishes. And so I believe it's Nevada could, if they finish the season strong, um, as long with some luck throughout the conference, I believe they can insert themselves into that top three seed. I mean, remember they're only um, a game back of that, or a game and a half back of that third seed.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's which a, is held
0: by Boise State right now, which who they would have, I believe, the tiebreaker over.
1: And that shows just how impactful that sweep over Boise State was, and it hurts. You you can see how it's, it can potentially come back to really bite Boise State in the end too, in terms of conference rankings and. As it stands right now, you could see, um, like, by the time we're here next week, it could be vastly different. I mean, this is going to be an absolute battle, and I'm very excited to see potentially where Nevada slots in for next week and how it continues. Can it go from a 5-2 or 3? I think, in, like you said, best-case scenario is from going to that five to three seed, but
0: or even maybe higher than a three even, seed, but they want to at least get you into want that. To get three
1: seed. In. You want to get into one of those top three seeds, and that will just bode well for us. Not just, you know, as we talked about with Graham for player of the year, I think we'll get into another subject with someone on the bench, but just placement as a whole and how well you can play coming into tournament play and how well you seed. So, I'm just excited. I mean, you're looking at so many top five conferences top five teams in the conference going up against one another this is gonna be an absolute battle i mean it's gonna be a lot of litmus test prove it type of matchups and i'm excited to see it
0: yeah (laughs) here's something that i mean bringing it back leveling out the positivity here how how much do you think by the end of this year nevada's going to be kicking themselves over either the sweep to boise or the sweep to wyoming and or getting swept by Wyoming or like the loss to Air Force. Yep, I mean, I mean that's I mean if they okay let's let's just think about this if they split one of those against Wyoming and they beat Air Force who they lost to by two points, Nevada would be eleven and three in the conference and a half game back of Utah State for the Mountain West lead.
1: They'd be the two seed right now. Or
0: Nevada wins one of the two games against San Diego State they lost to by a combined seven points if that Trey Pullian buzzer beater doesn't fall um, and Nevada goes into overtime and potentially w- potentially wins out. potentially wins that game Nevada would be tied for San Diego State for the four seed right now um and if they beat Air Force whatever like just those little, just and and I'm and I specifically mention Air Force in Wyoming and not San Diego State because The losses against wyoming and air force were like legitimately bad losses
1: yeah i mean the one
0: against san diego state i mean those those suck um and you would like to win squeak out those wins but i don't know if a lot of people expect in nevada to be in those positions in the first place but it's still like a testament to like you and i have been saying they've been playing up to their competition this year and they've certainly proven that over these last several weeks but like those, like those, like you look in high, I mean, you can't look hindsight. at it. In, you can't look at it in hindsight, yeah. but like, if you were to look at it in hindsight, be like, man, like that kind of,
1: kind of hurts right now. Yeah. kind of
0: hurts right now. Like if Nevada does eventually get that five seed and they're like a half game or a game back of San Diego state or something like that, like that's going to be like, oh man, like that
1: kind of sucks. I think, yeah, you bring up a good point, but you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. And obviously you'd love to maybe, at the very least, split Wyoming, not have that bad loss to Air Force, possibly split against SDSU, who we played so well against, just a few things didn't fall in our favor. But at the same time, I think you have to just focus on now, and you can make a legitimate argument that you're seeing shades of Nevada playing some of its best basketball right now, especially on the offensive end. Just carry that. You know, leave it all behind. I think that's what they're doing right now. I don't think... Anyone. As they should. Yeah, we're, I don't think we're, anyone we're, under that. Is saying we're
0: uh, we're
1: we're sports we're
0: sports writers who talk about sports topics for storylines and they're dumb. Yeah, sports topics, and that's what we're doing right now. Yeah. We're bringing up a dumb sports topic.
1: No need to talk about this. It's just it's just all. something interesting. You just look at and I just think right now, finish it strong. <laughs> Let's see what this team's capable of. You saw how good this team could be against a sweep of Boise State. They just have a few more series left. I think they have a lot left in the tank, and I think they know what's at stake. And like you said, this team plays up to their competition. Right now there isn't anyone bigger than Utah State at the moment coming up for us to end the year. you still got a very tough Colorado State team at home. And I know we'll get into it probably very soon, but this SGSU, S-J, gosh, I keep saying S-G and S-D, the San Jose State Series. Can potentially be a trap game. One of those. It could be one of these like Air Force-esque games where if we don't play our game, you could on the road could come back to seriously haunt us. We
0: can't afford to have that. You can't. And I say that not because I think UNLV is going to catch us, but I again I don't. I think Nevada's best option would be to get there to get the three seed or at least the three seed. And not have to settle for the 4-5 or five game. You got to sweep. You have to sweep. You, you have, have to sweep. I mean, they're missing Richard Washington right now, who leads the conference in scoring at twenty over 20 points a game. He, I don't know if he's going to play this week, but he's missed the last, I believe, five games due to a head injury um, that he suffered in late January. And they did squeak out a three-game win streak and over that span San Jose State did. But then they faced San Diego State, in viejas and got just whacked blown to and i believe that three game win streak was like their longest conference win streak since like 2017 and so they haven't had that three game win streak for a while they get it and then they they go into san diego state or they go into san diego and just get
1: obliterated
0: they get crushed um and i remember tuning into that first game it was, I believe, it was like thirty six twenty eight. San Diego State was up, and I was like, "Oh wow, like they're competing in a close game without Richard Washington." Mm-hmm. Next thing I know, San Diego State's up by like twenty points. It's like, wait, what? Where did that lead go?
1: Shows the level or of or where? Yeah,
0: where did where did uh, the competitiveness go? Like what? Um, and then I think believe last night San Diego State won uh, by twenty two, but
1: and I think we say this is. We, we call this a trap series just because, as Matt pointed out, statistically across the board, San Jose State's bad. And, really well, bad. And
0: the fact that we keep talking about Colorado State and... Utah State. like, yeah, those, Utah two, State, like, like, like those two, like they are just brushing by the Spartans. are just completely brushing over San Jose State. We don't want the team to do that. <laughs> no, not at all.
1: I mean, I, you look at them on paper. Shout out, Matt, for these statistics. Looks like <laughs> you're getting outscored by over 15 points per game this year. It's the worst in conference. Ken Palm rankings has them 321st out of 357 teams. Uh, you talked about Richard Washington's absence and how badly they've performed, except that you know three-game win streak they somehow squeaked out. And defensively, it's even worse.
0: <laughs> they allow over 80 points a game in conference and non-conference play. They have they play they they're going to be playing zone. Um, And we saw, especially in that San Diego State series, how that just doesn't work against good three-point shooting teams. And Nevada isn't necessarily the best three-point shooting team.
1: But we'll host them. Yeah, we'll hoist
0: them. And so hopefully that will give us opportunities. And that will also open up opportunities for players like Warren Washington and Zane Meeks, who are good rebounders to crash the glass because a weakness of a zone defense is you have to it's it's susceptible to allowing a lot of opposing rebounds because you have to find a guy when when you're in a zone you have to find a guy to box out because you're playing in that zone in like a typical man-to-man scheme you're already close to someone so you could just go and box him out or you could just crash and for a zone it's more susceptible because you have to find a guy to box out because you're like in that zone, particular zone that you're playing in, whether it's like a 1 2 2 or 2 3 or 3 2 whatever. So that can open up opportunities for uh, Warren and Zane and KJ to get some offensive rebounds and crash the glass a little bit and potentially get some second chance points. And they're bad inside the arc.
1: Definitely. That's one of the things we could certainly take advantage of. And, you know, like you said, you just can't brush over the Spartans because you need these two wins to potentially get into that number three seed or top, you know, to secure a top three seed as Nevada wants all year. So, you know, to do that, you're going to have to get both of these games because the next couple series are much tougher on paper and they match up a lot better against us. So I just think at this point, I think Nevada knows what it's at stake. I think this is just going to be a good test to see, can we dominate a lower tier team at this point in conference? So... You know, I'm ex- I think it's going to be exciting. I think you may see some high scoring performances, and I just hope, I just hope that the Wolfpack just take advantage of this because it's going to get much harder at the tail end of the year, those last two series.
0: Yeah, yeah. You can't, f- yeah, you can't fall into the trap of, you can't just look over San Jose State without their best player, and even with that, Seneca Knight, who was their best player last year, entered the transfer portal. He played just four games this season. And so heading into the year, Richard Washington wasn't even like slated to be their best player. And now he, he is also out. So their top two players heading into the year are now not with the team or just not playing or they haven't played uh, again. we have no Intel on whether Washington will play or not. He didn't play against San Diego state last night. He's, he's been out since uh, January 21st with a head injury.
1: It's, it's just decimated right now that roster and, Especially offensively. And we talked about Seneca Knight. I don't know if you remember last year. He gave us buckets.
0: Yeah, he gave, I think we lost to San Jose State last year.
1: We ended up winning at home. Or, no, I'm, I'm talking on, about, the road, on the road, we On lost. the road, we lost. At and home. Seneca Knight had like 28, 28 points. At home. That game at home, we won. I mean, Seneca Knight, I think he dropped 34 points. I know he had to take, I think it was about 23, 24 shots for 34 points, but he's a very talented scorer. He's not afraid to hoist the ball up by any means, and him entering the transfer portal was very surprising. But like you said, that just shows how how little has gone right for San Jose State at this point. But this is potentially a trap series if Nevada doesn't play its game, doesn't keep its foot on the gas pedal, and doesn't continue what it's been able to kind of string together this past month of really solid basketball. So please. Just don't overlook San Jose State because it could get much harder and it can really put you in a tough position come conference tournament play.
0: Yeah, those who stepped up in Washington's absence—Ralphie, Omari, Moore, and Trey Smith—all pretty good scores and pretty good players. But um, they're not Richard Washington, and they're also like—I don't. This is kind of mean, but they're also like playing on San Jose State. Um, that is mean. I'm going to cut that out. But ouch. <laughs> um, but. They need those type of contributions plus the ability to stop Warren and Zane and KJ and Grant and Dez and I think Nevada just has too much firepower offensively. Mm-hmm. San Jose State's only scored 70 points six times this season. They're four and two in those games. They they average sixty-two points a game. So there should be a game this should be a series that Nevada should handedly take. Um, I wonder what the I wonder what the betting lines are because I know for San Diego State, it was like, I think it was a like 28-point twenty-eight, points, 28 point, point spread or a 29-point. It's something ridiculous. Ouch. That's a lot. Yeah.
1: I wouldn't consider it to go that high. But listen, Nevada should be heavily favored for many reasons. But as we keep going back to, don't overlook a series like this, especially on the road. Because I, I don't know why I got a weird feeling about it, but if I had to, uh, I bet you're going to, you know, what's your prediction? A sweep. I'm going to go with the sweep. I'm confident. So am I. I'd... Just, just like, I just have this weird feeling that possibly we could split. And I don't even want to consider it because I think Nevada, I have faith and confidence that Nevada's going to just keep it up. Positive vibes only. Yeah. Positive vibes only. Positive Listen, vibes Listen, we've been on. talking about Grant, you know, Mount West Play of the Year. I kind of went stuff. haywire with that. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're just like all positivity. Let's keep that going.
0: I also want to bring up something to you just because, I mean, going back. We're, we're, we're going back on the positive vibe here. Yeah. This is also dependent on if Nevada can end the season well. Can Steve Alford win coach of the year?
1: Absolutely love that question. Well,
0: It's I a, it's a viable one question. One while he was here. Um, Brian Dutcher of course won it last year, Kirk Smith, the year before Utah State. Uh by the way, Eric Musselman, Arkansas just beat Kentucky by a point the other day, I believe, and they're now fifteen and five of uh, their third in the SEC. They're doing well, man.
1: Yeah. Shout, shout out, out Musk. Again.
0: Mean, again, people don't like
1: him, but we are going to shout him out because we love him. You know what's so funny too? I don't know if you saw that he sent out a tweet. He's still wearing uh, Reno Aces gear at Arkansas practices and stuff. He's wearing, I th- he's, he's wearing that's like been Reno trend gear since
0: quarantine started. Like I think each day he's changing up the teams and stuff that he's like
1: repping. Absolutely hilarious.
0: And it's awesome. Like I remember one time he wore like a Yankees mask with a Yankees cap and shirt, and I was like, dude, this guy's awesome. But then again, I found out he
1: was doing that for every team, and I was like, oh. Yeah, just wait till he shows up in a Red Sox cap. Yeah, yeah,
0: right, right. It's like oh nope, he's no boy shouting out team. Mus. No, but just... they're all,
1: and it yeah. But, but anyways, shout was, out Mus. Shout out Mus. And shout out Steve Alford.
0: Yeah, shout out Steve Alford, more importantly. Um It's been a, it, we talked about it we haven't talked about it on this podcast, but we talked about it off air a lot. How filling Eric Musselman shoes have been it's near impossible to like fill those fully. But Steve Alford has done a very good job. With the circumstances that he's been put into, um, Nevada's just essentially breeding talent at this point. When I I I talked to you after the game on Friday night, I was just I kind I kind of compiled a list in my head of just all the talent Nevada's brought in this year or in the past years, and we could run down the line. I mean, we're kind of we've to be honest, we've kind of been spoiled. We have. Um, just beginning with the Alford era or the Mussman era. Uh, Marcus Marshall, his first recruit, Cameron Oliver, Lindsey Drew, um, and then you go, down, Zuzwa, the list. You go down the Harris. list. like more, and then you get the Martin Twins, Jordan Caroline, Nisre Zuzwa,
1: Jalen Harris, Jazz Jaylen Johnson. Jalen Harris, Transfers. Jazz Johnson,
0: just among like just a bunch of names. And then someone Alford particularly brought in because we know Jalen Harris was a recruit under Muscleman. He sat out the 2018 season when Nevada was 29 and five, um, and then of course was or that was the 2019 season. Came back to play last year for us, um, as we retained a few names from the previous year's teams under Mus. Alford brought in Grant Sherfield, and you could kind of put him in that conversation for like one of the better names that we've had. Because um, I sent you a text the other night. I was like, man, like we saw Jalen play last year. And Grant is one of the coldest dudes. Grant is a dude. He is that dude. He's like He's one. Dude. He's one of the smoothest, just ice-cold, clutch players that we've had in recent memory. And that's, that's not a knock on any of the previous players. It's just a testament no. to how good Grant Al- has been. And Alford. And as Alford. As whole, so that's where I town. want to like bring that up to you. One, I want to get your thoughts on... Yeah like the Grant conversation, and two, I want to get your thoughts. Can Steve Alford potentially win Mountain West Coach of the Year depending on how Nevada's season ends?
1: Yes, I think even if Nevada finishes this year as a five seed, he should at least get recognition and a a handful of votes because I think, let's, let's just go back to the Steve Alford tenure last year and his introductory press conference, you and I were both there. Three players, three or four players were in that, introductory press conference because the roster what, at that point was in such flux. I thought there were more players. Was there, there Not more? Not all of them that stayed. Jazz was there.
0: Not all of them that stayed because I know. remember one yeah. of them that was there that didn't that didn't uh, stay was Jordan Brown.
1: I know Jazz, Lindsey, Jordan Brown was there. And I think one, one other guy. It, it may, like, it may I have been like his Ray. there was more there. But I felt like there was more there, but still. Just a handful. Now, that just shows when I mean, like, Steve Alford took over, I mean, the roster was almost at one point depleted. More guys on the transfer portal, so many guys not knowing what their future were holding. I mean, it's almost like Alfred had to start from ground zero in so many ways just to collect what Nevada had in store for the future when Mus left. Listen, I know we talk about it a lot. Shout out Mus once again because we saw how talented of guys he brought in to this program. And you saw the type of players he likes and his molds of players. And listen, we we sustained great success. But I think at one point, I think you're going to start talking about it so much next season. What Alford's doing right now with his recruiting class, it's so underappreciated and deserves more recognition. I
0: think we should talk about that now because Let's I completely it. agree.
1: I absolutely love it. Because it, I believe that,
0: I don't, This see, this is like kind of an unfair conversation because we're comparing talent. Well, I think the talent that Musk brought in was better than the talent that Alfred has brought in. Yes, to this point. But then again, look at the Alford stances. has done a great job of developing yeah. such talent. Like he's done a great job of developing Cage. Trey, Coleman. Look at it. Look Trey at the Trey Coleman, listen, the, uh, Grant, Dez, Daniel Foster. Like
1: look at these guys getting burned. Look at the true freshman right now getting serious plate PT. Let me tell you something. During, under the Musk era, we maybe saw six, seven guys max. <laughs> I mean you never yeah. saw any freshman step foot on the floor. Except just... if
0: it was like Cameron Oliver in his first year.
1: That's a good point. You had to be exceedingly or special. L- oh Jordan Lindsay. Brown. Lindsey. Lindsay. Oh Jordan Brown. Or yeah, Jordan or Brown. Jordan, Jordan and even, Brown even then Jordan Brown run. Jordan Brown got absolutely
0: He had the shortest leash. Listen,
1: he got ever. he got and you you could tell he was frustrated by his PT. You could tell he was frustrated by his role. That's not what he was envisioning coming to Nevada right. whatsoever which is one of the reasons why he transferred to Arizona, and one of the things that landed on Alford's play. Oh, sweet. So one of my only five-star recruits, one of the best recruits in school history. Oh, is now gone. Is now gone. Appreciate it. What Alford, not only to recoup the talent that Musk brought in when he left, but to add new layers with guys like you said, Zane, Kane. Trey Coleman's going to be special. I think Daniel Foster's going to be special. You're going to see more Alem Husinovich. Will Baker next year.
0: Will Baker and Addison Patterson.
1: Addison Patterson. Grant Shurfield, right now for the present. Desmond (laughs) Cambridge, right now for the present. Look at what Alford's doing. It's doing in such a quick amount of time that no matter what, I think even this season, Nevada was not, once again, it's another, just like last year, Nevada was not looking to contend on paper whatsoever in the preseason polls and everything like that. And consistently, time and time again, they're playing up to the competition, and they're at least finishing in top five seeds and playing in tournament games. For that reason, this season is unlike any other because you lose guys like Jalen Harris, Jazz Johnson, Nisrae Zuzwa, Lindsey Drew. I mean, what, 85% of the team's scoring is gone. <laughs> yeah, right. Like... So, and at this point in the season, how can you not give him at least a vote or two just to show him some of the recognition of what he deserves for Coach of the Year? And if they finish in a top-three seed, I think he deserves way more. He has a serious potential chance of winning it.
0: And the funniest part about all this, and you kind of hit on a little bit no one... Is that no one expected Nevada to get to this point? Like we didn't expect Grant Shurfield to be a Mountain West Player of the Year candidate. We more so thought that was going to be Desmond Cambridge. But yet Desmond Cambridge has still been very good this season. He's averaging 15 points a game. He's grabbing like four rebounds a game, dishing out a few assists. He's been one of our he's been our second best player behind Grant, who's in contention for Mountain West Player of the Year. Like we didn't expect Nevada to be a top five seed at this point. We didn't expect Nevada to be we didn't expect Nevada to beat Boise State. We didn't expect Nevada to compete against San Diego State, and they've proven us wrong. We—that's that's, a, a, that's the fault of us that, for yeah. not taking them listen. necessarily seriously. The—I mean, we have and taken them seriously, but we haven't taken them seriously enough. The entire—and that's testament on us. We're big. We're big yeah. old dummies. I'm a big old dummy. I'm, I'm dumb.
1: I'm, I'm stupid.
0: Dumb. I'm dumb. Don't listen like, to anything
1: I say. <laughs> yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't listen to anything I say. Um, but... like, I think you can make the case before we even, like, I think you can make that case last season, too, because no right. no Caroline, right. no Martin Twins, all those scoring productions gone. No Trey Porter, no, no Trey Porter, Sean Thurman. No Trey Thurman, Sean like... Thurman, no Jordan Brown. And yet, we still finished. Was that second? Uh, what did we finish last year in conference in regular season? I believe second it was tied or for second. Tied for second, yeah. Obviously, the Mountain West tournament didn't go the way we wanted, but just finishing at that landscape of... A mesh of guys who you didn't really know. What, like, it was just so impressive. And this year's no different. Coach Alford, amazing job.
0: Last year, we kind of expected some talent, though, because, I mean, we brought back Lindsay and Jazz and Nisrae. Mm-hmm. But then again, we didn't know. We didn't, I don't think we, any of, ex, any of us expected Nevada to get to 19 wins yeah. and one win away from their fifth consecutive 21 season. I don't think Nevada expected to get to that point. But, I mean, if we did beat Wyoming in the conference tournament, we would have gotten that point. But that's yeah. still—we still, still, I think, outperformed. I think uh, we p- still outperformed expectations last year, and, and we talked about it ad nauseum that we didn't really know what to expect heading into this year, just because of the huge roster turnover from last year, and all for, this is Alfred's second consecutive year. I remember writing about it over the off season where he's had significant roster turnovers and a significant amount of Nevada scoring, even more so. Heading into this year, left and Vanished. departed. Um, whether it was Jalen Harris departing to the NBA, or it was Jazz Johnson and his raises well. graduating yeah. like. It's not like guys are transferring out. No, guys are.
1: Guys have graduated. Graduated or or getting bigger opportunities. I mean, yeah. I would. I mean. Well, Jay- props well, to
0: Jalen for uh, getting drafted. Props to Alford
1: for developing right, Jalen right, Harris right. into the star that he became for Nevada and ultimately get drafted in the second round of an NBA draft. Right. That's so impressive. That's So I just think, like, I know we, we're starting to talk about it so much, but I think one of the things too, and this shouldn't be like, this is biased since we're students at the University of Nevada, Reno. This shouldn't be in contention for Coach of the Year at all. Like, This shouldn't be in contention, but we know the impact Mus had on the Reno community, even my freshman year, we know just you saw fans lining up hours. Like we had media credentials to get into the game at any point in time, there were guys waiting in the blistering cold. I remember. Yeah, some,
0: there were. Yeah, there were several times because we, just, he would go out just to like, get
1: that fist bump from us, just or to like, get that high five. He would give him like free pizza, free stuff. When Mus left, like not only was there a huge void huge you know racket out of the it it sucked the air out of the town and, the, and community. the community well and the fact that
0: i mean and there's some truth to this that alford left UCLA with a bad reputation yep i'm a college basketball fan because of the, the the massive expectations that you have when you coach at LA, or UCLA, UCLA because of the history, just dating back to John, John Wooden's Wooden. dominance in the seventies and eighties,
1: and having the NBA caliber talent, you know, like Alonzo Ball, right. um the the um, T.J.
0: Leaf. Thank you, T.J. Leaf, who was also and, a first rounder, and just that load on you. And when you start when it starts to slip a little bit, even in the beginning of the season, which, in case, what was happened to Alford, Um or I think they were like fifteen games in, and like. He gets fired and then he kinda there's like a bad taste in the mouth of college basketball. Like even still today, people don't think Steve Alford's a good coach, partly because they haven't seen what he's done at Nevada. Um, and probably just because they're like, oh, it's Nevada. Like they That's, they're not they're not giving Nevada any credit, which I just I think is an ignorant um, short sighted and just is, disingenuous thing It is.
1: And I, I wanna give one we've been shouting out a lot this podcast. One last shout out. Shout out Doug Newth. Shout Shout out out Doug Doug Newth. When Mus left, when Mus left, I had no idea. I thought we were going to hire a no name because I thought once once again, you know, hey, Nevada is this stepping stone for other coaches to get bigger opportunities. Great. Now we're going to go back to this little, you know, not that highly touted division one school with another coach that doesn't have that much experience and, you know, exposure to the media, national landscape, in college basketball. Uh, no. Doug Newth. Literally, you go from Eric Musselman, that departure, and as soon as he left for Arkansas, it's almost like he got right to work and said, you know what, let's take a chance on Steve Alford. Another, you know, at that point, I knew about Steve Alford, didn't know a ton about his background, especially his playing career at Indiana, but I knew he was at least decorated and a highly touted coach. So from going from that, from Musselman's departure, which like we said, truly impacted the community and everything like that to go into Steve Alford and to give him the keys to this program and to see what he's doing right now, tremendous work in both for both of them. And you may not see it. You know, you may not see Steve Alford, especially now during a pandemic. Sorry. You know, like doing, doing some of the stuff that Mus did, you know, that was just what made Mus Mus. That was weird to say, but that's what made him so cool. But look at, look at the production on the floor. Look at the standards he's starting to set. He's getting his fingers all up in his recruiting classes. This team is going to be special. This program has huge heights for next year and beyond because that's all credit to Alfred and what he's truly doing to this program. So, yeah, shout out Steve Alford, potential Mountain West coach of the year. I think he just certainly deserves recognition and some votes.
0: And we didn't even talk about this. I can't believe it took us this long to bring up uh, this particular tweet. Um, but John Rostian had a tweet Thank you. over the weekend that That's... pretty much said that nevada could be a potential top 25 team heading into next year and it's like okay yeah as the season's gone on we're like okay next year next year next year like this is when, really when it's going to be put together um but he's like yeah nevada could just be like a top 25 team next year it's like wait what seriously though and it, but like when you think about it it can be true if this production if this team kind of runs it back like we of course I mean, we would need i don't want to i don't want to say this because i mean it someone's going to soundbite it, but like Grant could leave. I'm not, I don't know Grant. I haven't talked to Grant. I don't have any contact with Grant. So don't say that, but, or so take take that for what you will, but I'm saying there's potential considering how good he's been, um, that he could be like, all right, this is a, this is a, no one really knows who's going to be eligible for the draft. I mean, it's, this is a thin back end of the class. Like he could potentially be like, all right, like I'm going to, I'm going to, like bet on myself another jalen
1: harris situation
0: right but i'm not saying that's going to happen i'm I'm putting that in the air out there i'm just saying that could potentially happen but like if we fully run it back with with grant and with des and with addison patterson and with will baker and all these other pieces come together like this could be it could in theory depending on how nevada ends their season be slotted for we're like a fringe top 25 team next year
1: I mean, you can make that case. I, I think I need to see more, obviously, because that is some sure, serious, sure. highly touted stoutest, But I think no matter what next year, serious conference players in the Mountain West. And that's, once again, a testament to the hard work that Alford and the rest of his coaching staff has done. I mean, I you talk about it so much. It's just like each player talks how glowingly Alford has taken each player under their wing. And it's just like, once again, it, truly special things can be happening next year and beyond at this program. So... I'm certainly excited, and I know we've been talking so much. This podcast has been a ton of fun, though. Yeah, you can't. can't oh yeah, that for it. sure. This and I and so I like
0: fun. having these conversations, as I think they're like noteworthy to have. Um, but yeah. these are conversations that we have to have. Just talking about this team and I'll, watching and writing and doing all that. Yeah, because com-
1: once the once you know basketball slows down and spring sports starts slowing down too, I would love to have just a podcast of. These types of questions, right. you know, these hypotheticals, and really looking at the history of Nevada in that aspect,
0: right? And this is why this is I, I this is why I wanted to like do today and get into because I mean we're again approaching the tail end of the season, and it's good to have these conversations now, especially after we sweeped Boise State or we swept. Yeah, thank sweeped, you. I'm glad swept. you fixed that. <laughs> Whatever. Um. Um. Anyways, uh, a reminder: Nevada plays san jose state this weekend they start saturday at 1 p.m pacific time on mountain bus network and then they play monday at 5 p.m on the on stadium which is also part of the mountain west network um women's softball will be playing this weekend they have three games um they will be playing at saint mary's they're they're in the saint mary's sacramento state like kind of a classic round robin deal but um they're at saint mary's today actually And then they'll play UC Davis on Friday and then Sacramento State on Sunday. Um, Nevada Volleyball will be playing Colorado State this weekend. And then Nevada Women's Basketball will also be playing San Jose State at
1: home. It's going to be fun. This weekend. So is there anything more you'd like to add? Um, I'm just excited for softball and baseball to be back in the fold. It's going to be so much fun. You know, that was one of the sports I was heavily hit by the pandemic last year. Didn't. Only saw really a handful of games from both teams. Obviously, Nevada baseball mightily struggled, but um, just exciting. You know, those are always fun sports to kind of look over and cover. So, spring sports is back, baby. Cannot wait, and yeah, just can't wait to see how everything unfolds over these next couple of weeks.
0: Don't forget to like and subscribe. Give us a five-star rating. Um, leave a review. Thank you for listening.